Good morning. It's so good to be with you again this week. I enjoyed being here last week. And um, this morning, well, I'm going to get right into the message. And I believe, how many of you believe that God wants to speak to us today? Amen. Come on. And so I believe that. And so if you're looking for a title for the message, it's just called, I Love My Church. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning. And to hear your word, and I pray that, God, that you would just come and you would speak to us in a way that, God, that we would just be able to receive what you want to say, and that we would see that, God, that you want to come and just set a tent in our heart, God, that you want to be with us, you want to abide with us, you want to speak to us in such a way that it's real and that we know it, and we just thank you for the opportunity we can gather together as a spiritual family in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. All right. In, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 2, starting verse 44, I'm going to begin to go ahead and read it. And it just says this. It says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, last week I talked about the church is the hope of the world. And I said, well, you know, it's really the activated church is the hope of the world. And we talked about how we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what God has called us to do. I gave an example of a drill. When you put batteries in it, it works. If you take the batteries out, it don't work. And it's same with us is that I believe that God has a great, has a power that he wants to give us. And it's called his Holy Spirit that he wants to give us to be able to live the life that we desire to live. Amen. Amen. And so for the last 19 years, when we started the church uh, 19 years ago, Tracy and I went to Jennings and we met at the Holiday Inn. And boy, we, we wanted our own inn. I'll just tell you that right now. And I know how it is. For two years, we were at different places, different buildings, different things. And we had four boys. How I many you know that's just getting them up in the morning, getting them ready? And, uh, you know, we, we would go back and forth, and then finally we moved there. And then, but I just seen in the last 19 years, the one thing that hasn't changed, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed. You know, we started Eunice Campus, and we started... Uh, Crowley campus, which I'm so excited about, but one of the things that hasn't changed is the vision and the heart of our church. And it, what did it, you know, we go, well, what is that, Pastor Bubba? It's reaching people and building lives. If you hear any of us talk about that as we get up to minister, that's our heart. That's our desire. That hasn't changed. We want to reach people and we want to build lives. And one of the things that I, if you look at Jesus, there's one thing that he said that he would do. And in Matthew, it says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell or the power of death or the gates of hell will not conquer it. So the church is the only thing Jesus said he would build. So Jesus has plan A. It's to build his church. There's no plan B. Okay? Okay, look, if we start having fun and, and, and if I talk and I ask you questions, you can respond. Okay? I don't want this to be like quiet hour. Thank y'all. Okay? Because I believe that God wants to speak and God wants to say something to us this morning. How do you believe that? 
And so the church, and he said, what, what's so, Pastor Bubble, what's my part of being an activated church? I'm so glad. When I come here, y'all ask good questions. And, you know, to answer that, number one, if you're looking for points and stuff on your notes, it just says come to church regularly. What does that mean, Pastor? See, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 46 says, And all the believers met together in one place. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Church is a, was, is, was a priority. It wasn't just about a building because it didn't matter because they were meeting in temples, they were meeting in homes, they were meeting different places. And Well, do I have to go to church, you know, to be a Christian, Pastor Bubba? No, but if you want to be a grown Christian, you might need to show up at church. Because I believe this, you have to show up to grow up. Come on. How many of you know with your children, they got to show up so you can help them grow up? You know, I mean, we know that children start out in diapers. And then, you know, you go to, I mean, it's amazing. You start out with little, you know, little, the, the little ones, you know, because we just had a grandson this, uh, just a couple days ago, and he's awesome. It's my second son, Andrew's first boy. He has two little girls, and he thought his mother had put a curse on him. She goes, you're a girl daddy. And he was like, I knew it. My mom put a curse on me. And he was praying, and so we were all anticipating, what's he going to have? And when they said that he was going to have a boy, I mean, we were, we were just excited. All of our family were excited. And so, you know, to go there and see what, what they had, you know, just to be there in the room and watch my son and my daughter-in-law just being excited. I mean, she had him in 30 minutes once her water broke. And all the other ladies that are envious go, my God, I wish I would have had that. I mean, 30, 30 minutes, bam, he was out. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But, you know, the thing is, is that it's the activated church. See, you know, you have to show up to grow up. See, Hebrews says it like this. This is not the time to pull away or neglect meetings together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. I don't know who's calling me. It's my daughter. Hold on. Olivia, I'm preaching in Crowley. Can you hear everybody? Okay. She goes, oh, my God. Call mom. I love you. Bye. So, at least I, I answered. But anyway, hey, it's my only daughter. Yeah, well, and it's like, it was kind of nice this morning. I was getting up, just a side note from the message. But it's kind of like she goes, Dad. Because I'll ask her sometimes, hey, do you, what about this shirt? And, you know, I'll ask her. She's, she's style and profile, you know. And, I, and I'm not. I'm like, I'll, I'll wear green and purple with something. Or, and she comes up to me. She goes, and she had two shirts on. She goes, Dad, this shirt or this shirt? And I go, that shirt. And she didn't wear either of the shirts. So that just tells you, you know. And so, you know, it's like, I know this. How many of you know, he, he says this. He said, make it a habit. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day of dawning. And see, in other words, we should frequently be with people that love God. 
that encourage us. Encourage means this. What the word encourage means? Right on your side to pour courage into somebody. How many know that sometimes we need a little courage poured into us? By the things that we face or the things we go through, our job, or circumstances we find ourselves. Or are you going to a family reunion? You go, man, there's outlaws and there's in-laws. I don't want to, yeah, you know what I mean? And you go, we need prayer. We need breakthrough. And so I know this, that for all of us, the, how many know the world is getting darker and we need each other? How many know the world's changing? I mean, I mean you just think about it. Five years ago, there was things that, that we're actually, that are in law now and things that we never dreamed they would be even, think about it. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, I saw that one of the news things, because one, one of the governor, governor candidates got up and said, I'm a doctor, and I look at, there's only two types of people. There's a male and a female. It doesn't matter what you do, the genes are there. You can't change the biology of their body. But the one news person goes, well, there's 112 variations that people can believe. And I'm like, man, if you have 112, there's a lot of voices speaking in your head. How many of you know we have voices speaking in our head every day? And I know because we live in dark times, the enemy wants to come and confuse people of who they are and their identity. My identity is not in me. My identity is in Christ. And as Christians, our identity needs to be in him. And if we have people that are confused and stuff, you know what? Don't, don't get mad at them. Have compassion. Love them through it. Are you hearing me? Amen. You know, know your Bible. Know what, that God has compassion for people that walk through things. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what's happened in their lives. And sometimes when I take the time and I hear people's story, I'm just broken. I'm just like... I never faced that. I never went through that. I can't imagine. Come on. How many of you I'm talking about? And see, the world's getting darker. We can't, you can't reach your destiny without us. And we can't reach our destiny without you. I believe that. Here's a good commitment. If I'm home, I'm here. Thanks for all those amens. If I'm home, I'm here. I mean, my children, before I was a pastor, we went to church every Sunday, Wednesday, any special meeting, all that. And, you know, like, man, you, you tormented your children. No, I want them to be exposed as much of the Spirit of God as they could be. Amen. That's what I wanted. Because my prayer was this. God, I don't care if they're preachers. I don't care. I just want them to be violently filled with your Holy Spirit. And they love you. They'll love their wives and they'll love their children. And they'll raise them up to be godly people. That's what I desire. That was my prayer. You see, I believe this, you know, for a gathering doesn't make a church. But a gathering that is taking steps toward Jesus, that's what makes a church. This morning, we're in church. You are the church. You're the church. So they had all these churches gathered this morning, and we're having a time of meeting because what are we doing? We're worshiping Jesus. We're encouraging people to walk with Jesus, to honor him, live a lifestyle that's pleasing to him. Come on. And also for us that are struggling through things, we can go, you know, I need a little pick-me-up. I need some encouragement in my life. I need courage poured into me. Pastor Bubba, you don't know anything what I've gone through, but you know what? I know this. The Spirit of God knows exactly what you need this morning and my prayer for every one of you this morning is that you don't leave here disappointed 
You don't leave here discouraged. That means courage. You didn't allow the courage to get poured into you. You resisted courage. You know? And so, am I in the right church? Amen. Okay, one person believes. She raised her hand. You are in the right church. Okay, I'll just do it again. Let's have a church vote. How many of you believe we're in the right place this morning? Okay, you don't vote on me, and I won't vote on you. How's that? Okay, but if I do participate and ask you to talk, I don't mind people talking. Sometimes when I preach really good, people go, hey, man, come on, Pastor Bubba, preach. And I go, I'm trying, you know. And so this morning, you see, a gathering doesn't make a church. You know, it's Jesus is what makes the church. They, they encourage, to urge others onward. You see, like next step, life groups, dream team. They're doing next step at Mr. Gaddy's and getting free pizza. You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, whatever. But anyway, when people take next steps together is when we become a spiritual family. You see, this number two is this. If you're writing notes, taking notes, we got to come to church expectantly. What does that mean, Pastor? See, Acts chapter 2, going back to chapter 2, and with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. See, I pray those are the words when people describe OSC Crowley. But they go, man, it's a, it's, there's great joy there, man. People there are like, they're happy. Because see, joy, happiness, peace is just a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. When you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, those are the fruits that come from it. If you look at at Galatians 5, it says love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Come on, that means you might suffer a little while. But God's going to get you through it by his power and his grace. Amen. Amen? And then it talks about the fruits of the flesh, outbursts of anger. That was like, you know, it goes on to other things. I mean, you might have come to church this morning, you and your mate were, you and your wife were having a, like a spat, and, you, and you're going, <laughs> and then, you know, you see me, and you go, oh. <laughs> come on, you know what I'm talking about. I had one of my friends who was driving up, and someone cut him off, and he was going up there to give them the peace symbol. And he drove, and he was like, oh, I can't believe they're driving. And he gets right close, right next to him, and he, all of a sudden he goes, oh, that's an elder in the church. <laughs> you see, I believe, what, what is expected me? Like, we had a grandson this week. I mean, she, in 30 minutes, we were expecting. See, when my son, it was like, oh, she's pregnant again. He's thinking, snap, another girl. And then when he heard, like, my, my daughter-in-law wanted to find out as soon as you can. You know, one of those, she's like one of those, I want to know now. I mean, back in the old days, well, not too back in the old days, but when Tracy and I were having children, it was like whatever came out, that's what you dealt with. You know, I mean, except the last one, Olivia. I told her, I said, because... Literally, we had four children, and we had an eight-year gap, and she got pregnant. It was just one of those nights. That's all I got to say. (laughs) I'm not going to try to describe. It was just one of those nights. One of those nights, you know what I mean? And then when we were going to have another one, she goes, I don't want him to grow up weird and by himself. Let's have another one. I obliged. 
And I remember I said, I'm finding out. No, I don't want to find out. I'm finding out. No, I don't want to find out. Well, I'm going to get them to tell me, and I won't tell you. She goes, no, that's not right. So we had a little marital argument. But I remember, because we were expecting, because I told her like the fourth one, I go, I feel like the Lord's telling me it's a girl. And he's like the most boy we can have. <laughs> Literally. He came out eating, hungry, tall, strong, obstinate. I mean, I can go down the list. But I remember when they, I, I said, do y'all know what it is? And the guy goes, yeah, I can tell you right now. I said, well, tell me. She goes, no, don't tell him. Tell me too. He goes, I'm 97% sure that it's a girl. And my wife goes, that's not good enough for me. I promise. She goes, she goes I need to know. And the guy goes, whatever, they, that little wand thing with the little grease stuff. And he goes, well, I'm 99.9% sure it's a girl. And the sweetest thing, because my wife was not expecting it, a little tear just came. Oh, shit. It just came down. It was a sweet moment in our marriage to have that little girl. And she can call during service. Now we know that. But see, the thing is, is that expectancy, and I believe that. I believe that we should come to church with an expectancy. God might want to move. God may want to speak to me. God may want to bring his power in my life, what I've struggled with, what I've longed to have. An expectancy. See, when's the last time you just came with an expectancy? When did you go to a life group with an expectancy? When did you go see your friend and you had an expectancy God could move and God could touch? I want people to feel God every time they walk through those doors. Amen? That we don't need 3D glasses to see Jesus. That we can come and go, I sense him. I feel him. Just like when they were the, the guys were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus... They didn't know it was Jesus, and he was talking to them. And they said this, and he, and he appeared, and he opened their eyes, and they go, oh, that was Jesus, and he disappears. And they looked at each other, didn't your heart burn within you when he was with us? You see, I believe that for every one of us, I want people to feel that. See, Psalms is like this. I love how the message does Psalms 26, verse 7. It says, singing God's songs at the top of my lungs, telling God's stories. God, I love living with you. Your house glows with your glory. You see, there's nothing special about this building. This afternoon, it will be a theater. You know what I'm saying? But when God's people gather to worship, it becomes God's house. We're also believing for a house. Amen? But see, Matthew says it like this. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open up any and every door. No more battery. No more barriers between heaven and earth. How many of you have ever lost your keys? Okay. How many of you 
maybe were, had a problem with keys this morning? Come on. Anybody want to be honest? Someone's pointing to someone else. Anyway. Keys unlock things. Keys have power. Keys have the ability. At my house right now, when I, like, my, it drives my wife crazy, but I always leave the keys in my truck. We have a garage, we have a carport, the garage door closes, but my keys are always there. Why? Because I don't want to have lost keys. I'm one of those kind of guys, I, I forget where I set my keys down, I forget what, you know, like, and when I go out of town, uh, like going somewhere, preaching or doing whatever, my wife takes the keys out of my truck, locks my truck, and puts them in the kitchen. Okay? When I even get out of my truck and I go somewhere, I have a special place where I keep my keys. We're not going to tell you where it is, but all men have the same special place most of the time. And my wife goes, baby, someone's going to see you do it. People know. I go, well, at least they won't break my window. (laughs) Keys have the ability to unlock things. And that's what the Bible's saying. He said, I'm going to give you the keys. That the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against you. That means you're going to unlock things. God's going to give you the ability to unlock things in your own heart, in your own life, in other people's lives. Amen? That's the power of being a Christian. You can begin to talk to someone, and all of a sudden, God begins to drop something in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. And God may give you a word for someone. That word may be, go, hey, God wants to bring freedom. And Or you might have a word. Like I had a a friends and they said, the Lord, I mean, my spiritual grandfather gave him a word. And he said, the word is banana. Bananas. And if you ever heard Matt Murray's story, he literally goes, bananas? What the heck does God want bananas? Long story short, he ended up going to a house, a mansion, meeting an old man. It was the guy that used to own Chiquita Bananas and gave him $50,000 for one by one in Kenya for the orphanage. I mean, you know, bananas was the word God had, but he didn't know. He was like, bananas? Bananas? You see, God has called us not, not, not just to invite, but also to get involved with his kingdom, with his Holy Spirit. Your greatest ability is your availability. You see, the third point is don't come to church alone by yourself. You see, each day the Lord added to the fellowship of those who were being added. Luke says it like this. Some men came carrying. You know the story. There was that paralyzed man. Men came and they, they picked up this man, put him in a blanket or whatever they did, some kind of blanket or, or whatever. And there was at least four guys. And what they did is they began to carry this paralyzed guy. And as they were carrying him, there was no room in the house. So that means they couldn't even get in the door. It was packed. It was jammed. And all of a sudden they go, dang, what do we do? And someone got a brilliant idea and go, the roof. We could lower him down on the roof. So can you imagine? Here you are. You're having a Bible study, a life group at your house. It's full. And all of a sudden somebody starts peeling your roof away. You hear it. Then dust and stuff starts flying, a little insulation. Think about it. Come on. They're busting through the drywall in modern terminology. 
and you're going, what the heck? And all of a sudden, Jesus and everybody, how I many of them, they didn't just have Jesus' attention, they had everybody in the room's attention. What's going on here? And I don't know how they did it, but somehow they figured it out how to bring the guy up on the side of the house, get the, crippled, the paralyzed guy on the roof, come on, and then put him in a blanket again, I don't know how they did it, and lowered him down. How many of you know that would be a spectacle? How many of you know that didn't happen like that? It was a time process. They were like, okay, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they see what, what, what's, what's happening. you imagine? I, we, I don't know their, na- their names. The Bible doesn't give us their names. They're, they're anonymous people. They didn't even give the cripple man's name. But each person had a role, and it was important. Come on. If they didn't pick it up, didn't work together, pick him up on the side, lower him. Can you imagine how many? They needed the right amount of people to lower the guy. Because guess what? You don't just lower a guy, wham, bam. Jesus goes, all right, we've got to raise him from the dead and heal him. When we see, I, I love what it says. Seeing their faith at the end of the see, see where it says that? Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Heavenly music. See, we are a church to carry people that are broken. We're a church to get people to where Jesus is. And sometimes we don't know how it's going to happen. But I believe that sometimes the best thing that we can do is just invite people. Have a great expectancy. God, if you showed up in my life, you can show up in someone else's life. How many of you have ever told your friend about your favorite restaurant? And then when you go there, you're going, okay, I hope they don't mess up. I hope the food's as good as last time. See, my wife's family is from Washington State. So when they come down, they want to eat crawfish. And they want to eat boiled shrimp. So we usually take them to St. Balls and Henderson and Murmurtal. And some of the people that go, go to our campus in Jennings own that restaurant. And so we go there and I go, hey, they have... And, I'll just tell them, they have the best crawfish. They have the best shrimp. And they're like, really? They're from Washington. They don't know Jack. You know, and then I go, I'm telling you. And so they go, you have to teach them how to peel it, you know, because I'm the one I pinch the tail and just, you know, I'm. And then, like, the shrimp, and they're all like, man, this is good. And you go, it is, it's good. It's good, man. And they're going, oh, man, it's hot. I go, that's mild. I'm going to talk about hot, you know. And, and you start telling them, you know, they take a bite. They love it. You don't have to care. It's not about the food. It's just about your time with them. I have a friend of mine that goes to our Lafayette campus, and his name's Brian Collada. He talks like that. Hey, Pastor Bubba. He's my, one of my good friends. And every, he has a business in Houston and Midland, and sometimes he'll pass and he'll stop in Jenny. Hey, Pastor, what are you doing? And I said, look, I'm going to take you to 
the best po' boy place. Daryl's. It's in the top ten of the best small restaurants in Louisiana. They started in Lake Charles, and they, the only other place is in Jennings. And so you go there, and when you go there and you eat a po' boy, you need a stack of napkins. Yeah, I mean, it's so good, it starts dripping and going. I mean, when you leave the place, you kiss yourself. I've just blessed my taste buds. It's that good. And I remember he's going, I said, Brian, let me order for you. But what you, you going to order? Best? I'm going to order the surf and turf. So I get him the surf and turf. Wait, wait. And he's eating it. And he goes, oh, Pastor Bubba, this is the best. And then guess what? He takes a guy that is a boxer, used to be a boxer, his bad Chad from Rain. Now we, he got saved and we call him Glad Chad. Okay? So he takes Glad Chad that used to be bad Chad to Daryl's and Chad falls in love with him. Oh, man, this is the place. And so all these people are driving from Lafayette to go to Jennings to eat at Daryl's just because I said, I'm going to bring you to the best place you're going to get po' boys. You see, I believe this. When you bring your friends to church and they worship, you worship. When they, you know, when they laugh, come on, when you bring a visitor, come on, you laugh. (laughs) When they cry, (laughs) you cry. Why? You're so consumed with them meeting Jesus. When I got saved, my best friend, Mark, we've been best friends for 43 years. My mission was to see him saved. When I got saved, I mean, I broke all kinds of pipes and bongs and all the things I used to do drugs with. And then we had albums that'll date you. Now, albums are coming back actually now. And I remember I started breaking up some of my albums. I didn't, and then he walked in and he goes, and I tell him, he goes, what are you doing? I go, that's, I had a 55-gallon trash bag. I had all my pornography, all my pipes, broken albums, everything I, I mean, I could think of that it was just the devil and I didn't want it in my life anymore. And he goes, he goes, what are you doing? I said, man, I gave my life to Jesus and I'm putting everything in my devil bag. And he goes, well, yeah, but some of those records are mine. I didn't think he needed to listen to him anymore. Long story short, he's serving God today. Hallelujah. I have friends. There's a guy that I witnessed to on the strip one night in Lafayette McKinley. And it's 14 years. I hadn't seen him. And he saw me and he goes, Baba, I've been looking at you for 14 years. He said, if you would have known more about Jesus, you could have led me to the Lord. I've only been saved two days. I just knew if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. And I've met people through the years and go, Pastor Bubba or Bubba. I remember that time. I preached at our church in Broussard uh, a year and a half or two years ago. And one guy goes, I remember you. You used to come at the strip and tell people about Jesus. And he said, I looked at my twin boys. And he goes, y'all better shut up today. This And pay attention because this guy knows God. Because he was telling me about Jesus when I was young and stupid. And he might have something for you because you're young and stupid and you need to listen to him. <laughs> and it's nothing about me. It's because I met someone that I fell in love with. And his name is Jesus. 
I was introduced to him. I was filled with the power of the Spirit. And then I began to have a hunger for him. I read my Bible every day. Every day. Every day, because you know what? It's kind of like this. If you're an impala in Africa, when you wake up in the morning, you better be running because there's a lion after you. Come on. And just like as a Christian, I'm not afraid of the devil. Come on. I remember one old parent called the devil. You drop the D, he's evil. You drop the E, he's vile. You drop the V, he'll make you ill. You drop the I, he'll send you to L. Anyway, you'll get it later. You see, why? Can you imagine? Think about it. If every one of us invited someone this month to church, what could change? What dynamic would change? How would people's lives? See, we have to have an expectancy. Don't be afraid if people reject you. Listen, that's just part of the territory. You see, why do we want to grow? I'm going to tell you why. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. Because people matter. And listen, and eternity matters. You know, one day when we go before God and we give account of our lives, we know that there's the book of life. We know that there's the Ten Commandments. But there's also the book called the book of memory. And see, our life is going to be tested. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says, it's going to be like this wood, hay, and stubble. Then there will be gold, silver, and precious stones. And everything will be tested by fire. That means that one day, as Bubba McCann will stand before all the saints of God, and Jesus will put the fire to my life, there will be the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But there will be the gold the silver and the precious things. You imagine standing around all the saints and you're going, my feeble life? What have I done for the kingdom? It'll be tested by fire. But see, how many know there's a real hell and there's a real heaven? And people go, well, it's not talked about much in church. Well, I'm fixing to talk about it. Hell is a place Will your memory last forever? What do you mean, Pastor Baba? That means you'll hear your mother's prayer, but you'll get no relief. That you'll have someone that came to you and you'll remember it in your book, in your, in your memory, that someone came to you to try to give you a, a, something to read, a paper about Jesus, or to, begin to tell you about Jesus, and you're thinking, I don't want that stuff. And you begin to realize, why did I reject it? There'll be men that were laden with lust. And they'll still be filled with lust in hell. But they'll never be able to fulfill their lust. They'll be in want. Think about it. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to be like that. But the saints of God, our lives will be tested by fire. And whatever's left out of that fire, we present as a reward to the king of the universe, the king of glory, and to God. Are you understanding? Come on. How many of you know that might bring a little fear of God in your heart? How many of you have never heard it like that? 
Come on, let's be honest. Never heard it like that. I'm not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to do is say, tell you, man, there's eternity at stake. There's people's lives that are in the balance. You know, I have, I have one of my sons. He's not serving the Lord. Breaks my heart. He called me. This morning, I spoke to him for an hour. And he said, Dad, all the things that I've been doing aren't bringing satisfaction anymore. I need help. I need help. Can I tell you something? He's the most talented, the tallest, and the best looking out of all my boys. Besides me. Anyway, just. But guess what? He said, Dad, I know I have to do this. I'm tired of my life. And I know that God wants to use me. How many ever have, how many have people that you believe in God for? That are just without God? Come on, they know, but they're without God. Look at me. And I'm going to bring it to a close. See, Matthew says it like this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord who, who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. God has already done all the work. Just like Ryan said at the beginning, Jesus came. He died on the cross. He conquered hell, death, and the grave. He rose. The Bible says the same spirit, the same spirit that allowed Jesus to rise from the dead dwells in us as Christians. Amen. The power of resurrection. You see, we can't get comfortable. We must do our part. People have been changed. People have changed the world. We're not the most gifted people. You know what they were? They're just the most willing, and some of them were just persistent. I have people that some of, don't let me get your number. If I don't see you in church, I will call you. I've called people. You can ask Janine Moore. She's been in the church since the first Sunday. I go, Janine, if you wake up right now, you can make it to the second service. I love you. Go, thank you, Pastor Bubba. I'll be sleeping in. I do that. Why? To harass people? No. Because I know they need to be in the house of God. I know what they've walked through. I know what they've gone through. Are you hearing me? And listen, in Crowley, when the Lord spoke to us about coming to Crowley, God said this would be the harvest campus. What does harvest mean? That means people. God, moving on people's lives. You know what? I love it when people come to church and go, so-and-so goes to y'all's church? What? They go to church? Yeah. I used to have a guy, he was a judge's son in Jennings. His name's Billy Knight. I'll bring him one Sunday. And everybody, how many of you know Billy? All right, you know Billy, okay. Big drug dude, all right? Busted, all that stuff. Parents, I mean, you know, just an embarrassment to his parents. And every time I would go by Billy's house, I'd knock on his door. Hey, Billy. And he'd go, oh, frick. Hey, Pastor Bubba. Man, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you, man. Why don't you come to church? Because I know his mama, Donna. 
they were praying for him. And finally, look at me, I wore him out. I just wore him out. He just said, I'm going to come this week. And look at me. Came. He got saved. He got delivered. He got set free. We had him come up on a Sunday. We were tell- they were doing things on testimonies, telling their story. And he just goes, I'm here because Pastor Bubba wore me out. But his wife, I knew his wife's daddy that died in Lafayette was killed. I knew her family. And see, look at me. You never know. You don't have to be like me. But can I tell you something? You can't invite someone. Eternity is at stake. Eternity. You see, and let me just finish. Do for someone else what God has done for you. And maybe this church has done for you. Just do it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to bring this to a close. I'm going to pray. If you're here this morning and you know that you're not where you need to be or you're not serving God. And you say, Pastor Bubba, I'm not where I need to be. I need to give my life to Jesus. No one looking around, please. That's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor Bubba? Don't allow pride. Don't allow lies to get in your head. That's me, Pastor Bubba. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? No one looking around. That's me. I need that. Raise it high. Okay. Put it down. Anyone else? I'll just give you a moment. God's speaking to you. God's dealing with you. Don't walk out of here the same. Walk out of here in a place where you have freedom in your heart. That you can experience the fruits of the Spirit operating in your life. Peace, joy, patience, forgiveness. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you one more time. Anyone else? Okay. Let's all pray together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you're the son of God. I believe on the cross you took my sins, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin. To be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Come on, give the Lord a hand clap for God speaking to people.